0: So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 153 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Holly Cook. Holly lives in Sacramento, California, where she is a speech pathologist and the clinical director of Cook Speech and Language. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Jen. Well, it's really great to talk to you today. We were supposed to talk a week ago, and I had to cancel because we're having our backyard demoed. We're replacing an old cracked pool from the 1980s and cleaning things up. And so thank you for being so flexible. So also, listeners, you might hear a loud noise at some point because they're still like cleaning it all up. And we've got a dumpster here and equipment. It's so very interesting. (laughs) But thank you for your flexibility. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: Yeah, sure. So... It was uh, December 26, 2019. My family and I took a, a holiday trip. We were down in Palm Springs visiting some family for the holidays. And I just remember at that time, and previously probably for you know six months or so, I was just having a lot, a lot of difficulties um, related around uh, PMS. And we were at an Airbnb and I jumped in the hot tub and I was like, oh, this really helps. And then I remembered, you know, I don't have a hot tub at home. So I started thinking about, like, you know, how can I help this? And it was the holidays. We were eating way too much. And I just remember not sleeping well and just waking up, just feeling really, really awful. And it was the day after Christmas. We were up early. We wanted to hit the outlet malls. And I saw it was probably like a Good Morning America or the Today Show, one of those news programs. You know, right after the holidays, they had their segment on you know, weight loss and how to get in shape for the new year. And it was also uh, right around that time when that article, came out, the New England Journal of Medicine the article. And so they had that article on the morning news program. And they That talked. was that day. That, that was the date. That article, I knew you as soon as you
0: said December 26, 2019, and you said Good Morning America, I knew where you were going with that. Because that was such an exciting day in our intermittent fasting community because that day the, the journal article dropped, like it was officially publication date, and all the news channels picked it up. And it was everywhere. And and what was so exciting is as people joined our community, they always, we asked the question, you know, why are you interested in intermittent fasting? And for that day and the period of time immediately after that, people said health benefits. It was thrilling.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I wonder if the, you know, the timing was kind of meant to be that way. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, I mean, think you're was, probably it was, right. It was good timing on their part, definitely, right. to you know get some good kind of publicity for it for that article, which was just amazing. And I think they they talked mainly about the time restricted feeding, and then also the alternate um, daily fasting plans as well. So they kind of broke it down in kind of real simple form. And um, I had heard about it a little bit before, but not much. Just some random Facebook acquaintances had posted, you know, I'm doing you know eating between twelve and eight, and I was like, Oh, that's, that does not sound easy. But when they, when they broke it down, I thought, well, okay, let me, let me try. I need to get, you know, some of this weight off. I think, I think the weight is kind of a big factor too, with having a lot of difficulties with the PMS and my weight had kind of slowly started to go up over the years. You know, once I hit my late thirties and forties, it just started creeping. Right. And I hadn't been on a scale in a long time. And I thought, well, I'm just going to try. So we left Palm Springs to drive to Sacramento the next day, which would be the 27th, and I said I'm gonna try 12 12 today, which was pretty easy, just kind of pushing my breakfast out until 8. And I remembered I had my Starbucks at 8, and then we ran into a bunch of bad weather, a snowstorm on the way home, so it took us like 16 hours or something to get home. It was crazy. And then I remember getting home um, and it was after eight o'clock and I was hungry and it was really hard. I said, I'm just not going to eat, but it was tough. Um, But I did it. So that first day with 12, 12, and then the next day I felt good. So I thought, well, I'm going to try it again, but I will say, I, you know, I knew nothing really at that time about the clean fast. Right. I I figured that's where you were going. I did. And I did it like I had heard about it, but then I had heard, okay, well, I'm going to try to just have my coffee, but I was the uh, two packets of equal with flavored creamer coffee girl. And it was really, really tough to kind of wean off of that. I had to do it gradually. So one packet of sweetener and then, you know, no packets of sweeteners. So That was difficult. It took me probably a couple of weeks just to wean off um, that morning coffee and the sweeteners. I feel like those artificial sweeteners were doing me in definitely because I could have that coffee every morning. I was a breakfast person every morning. I thought I was being healthy breakfast. Like, you know, I would eat oatmeal or, you know, a healthy, you know, cereal or, but then after breakfast, within an hour driving to work, I would be starving. And I finally figured out it was those, it was those artificial sweeteners because once I stopped those and just had the plain coffee, I really didn't get hungry much anymore in in the mornings. And, you know, I was a a child, I was born in uh, 73, just turned 48, child of the 80s, you know, growing up. Artificial sweeteners were the thing. I remember as a a child, my mom, like just buying sugar-free everything. We could have soda, but it had to be diet soda. You know, we could have things, but they needed to be sugar-free and fat-free. And I remember, Jen, must have been like the early 80s, getting in the mail these gumballs, like these round, delicious-looking gumballs, and I think they were filled with, like, NutraSweet or Equal. Ugh, One of the right? sweeteners. They came in the mail, and I was like, Mama, can I have these gumballs? And she's like, Oh, yeah, they're sugar-free. sugar-free. Go, go oh, ahead. You know, go ahead. Sugar-free everything.
0: Yeah, I think of my grandmother with, with that whole period of time. You know, I was born in 69, so I'm a little bit older than you, but not much. But she always used saccharin when I was little. She mm. had these little saccharin tablets. Did you ever mm-hmm. use those? Did you ever yeah. see those? Mm-hmm. The for little her tea, the little, little ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then she switched to whatever was, you know, latest, greatest. But she always drank Tab, which was her favorite diet soda. And then yep. it became Diet Coke as the years went on. But um, it was always a diet soda or an artificially sweetened something. And, you know, you're right when you say that it leads to increased hunger because they're showing, you know, first of all, it disrupts our our satiety hormones. You know, we our bodies aren't used to having all this, I guess, this sensory input from zero calorie things so it really confuses our hormones and our our responses in so many ways and it also affects our gut the health of our guts and that is so important as far as like um overall health so yeah artificial sweeteners are not doing us any favors are they
1: not at all i feel like i've always kind of um always kind of had a sweet tooth. I think I get mm-hmm. that from my dad. My dad always had a sweet tooth as well. So he always had something sweet available and he was big on the artificial sweeteners too. So just kind of um, growing up with it and then knowing, you know, what we know now, was like, wow, that was, you know, kind of really doing me in definitely for sure. I think
0: it actually makes the sweet tooth worse because, you know, our bodies might have this sweet craving, you know, every craving that we have has a biological reason. There's a reason we have sweet cravings. And, and, you know, we crave sweet things. It's not like something to be guilty about or ashamed of. Um, So we have this craving for something sweet. And then we keep trying to meet that need with these artificial flavor things. And our brain's like, no, no. (laughs) I think it just makes it worse and worse, honestly. So you you gradually weaned yourself to the black coffee.
1: Yeah, yeah, it took a while, <laughs> it took a while, but I definitely did for sure, and saw a huge difference for sure, and far as far as how I was feeling and being less hungry. I was still losing weight even with weaning myself off. You know, little by little, I feel like I was uh, fortunate. I was one of those ones that um, started losing immediately, which was huge motivation to keep going. And at first, Jen, I wasn't even going to go on. The scale. I was like, nope, I'm not going to go on the scale. I'm just going to go with how I feel. <laughs> right. And then my husband stepped in and he's like, well, how are you going to measure your progress? And, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So I finally got on the scale and I was surprised. I was at uh, 150, which um, I'm 5'2. So for me, that was definitely the highest weight that I had ever been.
0: So Mm -hmm. I thought, okay,
1: well, this. So that was your starting weight. mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was my starting weight in uh, December 2019, and then I decided I wanted to. My goal weight was going to be 120. And so I met that around November of this year. So awesome, almost a full year. Yes. So
0: November of 2020, you hit mm-hmm. your goal yeah. through
1: a pandemic. I know it's crazy. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> over the summer, when I um, you know contacted you over the summer. My husband and I were walking one day and I was like, hey, you know, I'm still losing weight. And he's like, you're amazing. He's like, most people are gaining weight during a pandemic and, you know, you're still losing weight. He was like, you need to, you know, you need to get your story out there. I thought, okay, so I'll I'll contact Jen. So I was excited about that. So, yeah, so I hit my goal weight and then I started to get frustrated, Jen, because Uh the scale would go up. I was like 120 is my goal weight, and then it would go up to like 121, 122, and then I would get frustrated. And then as I started doing more research, I learned about how your body can really fluctuate on a daily basis, those five pounds. So I thought, okay, I need a goal weight range instead of a goal weight.
0: Perfect. That is
1: absolutely
0: the way to do it because it makes me sad I've known people throughout the years who are very fixated on one number. Like, like, you know, if you remained fixated on 120 and you only felt successful when you woke up and saw 120 or below, that would be such a hard way to live. But I, I know there are people that do that. So instead, come up with a range. You know, if, if 150 or 120 is your, you know, the center of your range, give yourself a range in either direction for that's your fluctuation range, your maintenance range.
1: Absolutely. So I thought, okay, my fluctuations range is going to be between 120 and 125. Perfect. And then after that, after a week or so, I was still frustrated. And I said, no, I think I, I still, I need a little bit of a lower weight range in order to feel comfortable in my skin and be happy. So I decided I'm going to lower my weight range to 115 to 120. That way I won't keep seeing the scale go over 120. It was, you know, it was really, really bugging me. So I did that. And I did really how I met that was, you know, using your tools, Jen, going back to that chapter with, with all of the tools that the different schedules you can do right and i decided to do because i was mainly still doing like sixteen eight at that point with occasionally maybe like one longer day you know usually over the weekend which was maybe like you know 19 20 hours so i feel like my body probably adjusted a little bit to that and i thought if i want to get down to a little lower range let me just switch things up so literally i started using a random number generator <laughs> <laughs> and just set it between like 16 and you know, like 23 each day And so each day I would just randomly generate, you know, how long I was going to fast that day and just say, I'm going to fast for at least this hour, this many hours on the generator and then go from there.
0: Okay. That is, I love that so much. So I've never heard that before. Like I have talked to so many people and never heard that strategy, but what, what a creative way to do it. So you set it from anywhere from 16 to
1: 23. Yeah. Every day. Uh You
0: know, we talk about keeping your body guessing and what better way than a random number generator?
1: Yeah, yeah. and it worked. Let me tell you, I love you. it. But <laughs> then, like a couple of weeks, I was down. I was staying down below one hundred and twenty, and then I was very, very happy with that. So I said, okay, we're going to keep going with this for sure. Fabulous. So yeah, and then I stopped doing the random number. I was like, nope, not doing that anymore. I'm just going to go back to you know what feels good now that I've you know I'm at maintenance. So. I just go back to doing at least 16 daily, and there are days when I go longer, and that's just that.
0: I love it. So, yeah. You found your range and and you got to that, that new range around November. And then you've Mm -hmm. just been staying there ever since and doing what feels good. Because, you know, ideally, that's what we want. We want to have a lifestyle where, you know, even a random number generator is not the boss of us.
1: Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) that's how it got to be. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore.
0: (laughs) Random number generator, you are out of my life. But I think that some people might have a lot of fun with that. So I think that's a tool for people to put in their toolbox, you know, keep that body guessing. But, um, you know, at least 16 hours daily and then feeling what feels right that day.
1: Exactly, and, that, and that's a good point. What feels right that day and kind of what my schedule looks like, too. You know, I work in an office setting, and typically we, uh, we close the entire office between 12 and 1 for lunch. So some days I'm like, okay, I want lunch or I want a little snack or I want my cream and my coffee, no more artificial sweeteners. But so yeah, so some days I do have lunch or what I guess most people would maybe consider more of a snack. It kind of varies. And then there are other days where I'm like, I don't feel like having lunch today. I want to get some more work done or I want to go walk around the building and, you know, get some fresh air. So it just kind of varies on a daily basis based on, you know, how I'm feeling.
0: Yeah, I think it's great to, to point out. I want to circle back. You said that you lost um, the first... I guess, 30 pounds of, of, you know, your initial goal with sixteen eight almost every day. You know, we know that fat burning generally ramps up after hour 16 and really ramps up between hours 18 and 24, but that doesn't mean that every person absolutely must do 18 to 24 every day. To, to see the weight loss and so you know there are definitely people like you who find great success with 16 eight so right. I, I wanted to point that out but not everyone will i it was not my you know magical weight loss i think because i'm a volume eater <laughs> 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 i could eat a lot in eight hours
1: <laughs> yeah i think that's The amount that I was eating definitely was a factor. I was no longer eating the big lunches and the fast Mm -hmm. food lunches. My lunch typically consists of like, you know, maybe a rice cake with some almond butter and some chia seeds and a bunch of fruit and my coffee. That's what I think.
0: You're not having a giant meal. Because I think Mm -hmm. that's what I really did wrong. Back in the days of the eight-hour diet, do you remember when that came out? I can't even remember what year that was. It was, mm, I don't know. It was a long time ago, 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. But the eight-hour diet, I think the guy's the editor of Men's Health or something that wrote it. And it sounded too good to be true. You just eat whatever you want in eight hours Uh and as much as you want all the time. And I was just so excited. I tried it well. He didn't know how much I was going to be able to eat in eight hours. Did not work for me. Absolutely it not. Work that way, no. it was a lot of fun because <laughs> I was having the giant lunch and the, the all you know. Anyway, oh, nice. <sighs> right? Like, no, I need some kind way. of ra- restraint in there. But luckily, you know, when I, I moved to more of a fast five five hour eating window approach, that's when it started to to feel right for me. But I love that you have found success within the eight hour window. And I just wanted to point that out.
1: Mm-hmm. So you and I typically like, I'm, I'm kind of like your husband, <laughs> who you've talked about, like, I don't snack. So I'll have my my snack or my lunch, whatever it is. And then I typically do not eat again until um, dinner time. I might have like a little snack, you know, before dinner, like some nuts or things like that. But I don't snack throughout those eight hours.
0: That so. is ex- also exactly what he does. He gets home from work, and he starts eating a handful of nuts. Uh-huh, <laughs> he makes his neat. own, like, little trail mix with, like, nuts and cranberries, and I don't know what else he puts in there, but he's always mixing it up, and he eats that. He'll have a little salad before while I'm cooking dinner, you know, staring at me as I like, cook. <laughs> I'm like, give me a minute. It's coming. <laughs> then we have our dinner.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the window is closed after lunch. <laughs>
0: Yep, yep. He, that's funny. He, he closes it, then he opens it again. I'm like, well, that's not really how it works, but okay. you can, He says that. He'll say in the middle mm-hmm. of the afternoon, my window's closed. I'm like, okay, say whatever you want. <laughs> it works for you. Words don't matter. You just do. <laughs> exactly. Um, so your husband, he's been supportive of you this whole time. Has he done any intermittent fasting himself?
1: Well, No. But I call him like a big dirty faster (laughs) Uh (laughs) because he has never been a, a morning breakfast person. He very rarely eats breakfast. He just has coffee in the morning, but he does put his little bit of sugar and his little bit of cream in the coffee. And then he typically doesn't eat until lunch. But he's a late night snacker too. Like okay. I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll see bags of you know empty donuts in the trash. And so he, he does snack you know late at night as well. So he does it really fast. but he doesn't no. need, he doesn't need to. So he's he's pretty tall and lean.
0: It would be one little tweak if, he, as he gets older, if he ever starts to find, you know, his health is not what it had been or he starts, you know, if it starts to catch up with him, mm-hmm. the late night donuts, you know what to tell him. That one little tweak, if he just took the sugar and cream out, bam, he's doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would, yeah. Be, he would be almost there, definitely. That,
0: that would be, that yeah. would work. Yeah,
1: he's very supportive. Every once in a while, though, he'll offer me things at night. Like last night, he had jelly beans. He would, want some jelly beans? And I just tell him, no, my window's closed. And he's like, oh, yeah, there you okay. Go.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> and then he doesn't bug me again about it. So but he's, he's really supportive. So at the beginning, you
0: mentioned that you were really motivated by you know, hormonal issues that were going on, PMS type problems, you know, what, what health benefits have you seen other than the weight loss? What, what have you seen with intermittent fasting? Has that helped you hormonally?
1: Yeah, I think definitely for sure. Uh, most of the symptoms just have pretty much resolved. I'm not at uh, the other side yet, but <laughs> getting close to the other side for sure. Um, maybe a little bit early, but my mom said right. that she kind of crossed over to menopause um, around the same age, around 48 too. Really? 48? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it might be coming a little bit early, which is fine. But I feel like I've been able to kind of ward off like a lot of the symptoms um, just with the fasting definitely
0: 100% me too you know I'm on the other side and it was a pretty easy transition I did have you know some sleeplessness I know my hormones have changed my estrogen and progesterone are way down to uh, you know undetectable and that has issues my skin elasticity is not as good as it was but my weight I've had, you know, no trouble with my weight and uh, may have gained a little bit through the transition but it's back gone, back down. I tried on my honesty pants this morning, my honesty squirt actually. Uh-huh. And it is like looser than I, it's ever been, which is oh, exciting.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So you feel like it's going to help you make that transition.
1: Yeah, definitely helpful for sure. A lot there's been a lot of other non-scale benefits too. I had an uh 2010, I had my uh, thyroid removed. I had, it was kind of littered with nodules and I had a big nodule that was biopsied and it came back as non-cancerous, but my endocrinologist said, you know, he said, you know, even though it's come back as non-cancerous, because it's, you know, littered with nodules, there's still like a 20% chance that, you know, it might, might be cancerous. So he advised the best thing to do is um, take it out while you're young. I did have goiter as well. So it was pretty big. So he said, go ahead and take it out while you're young. So I did that 2010, I had it removed and then they sent to the lab and then it wasn't until after it was removed and they looked at it as it came back as it was cancerous.
0: Oh, so, so. It actually they were wrong with, from the biopsy. They, mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, yeah. that's good that you went with
1: that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they called back and said, you know, no worries. The, the hardest part is over. You had it taken out. And so now I just had to do like a little bit of radioactive iodine. And I had to t- stay away from small children for a week. I had to stay home for a week. My work involves small children. So that was kind of right. tough. But yeah, but that was it. And then, you know, obviously I've been on thyroid medication In December 2019, I was at 214 micrograms. I think I'm micrograms. And now my endocrinologist is working with me to uh, lower it. I'm now down to 139 micrograms, which she feels is still a little too high, too. So I'm still a little hyper, I think hyperthyroid at this point. So she's lowering it a little bit more. So. So we're getting there, um, as far as yeah. needing much less medication.
0: So it's helped your you know, intermittent fasting has helped your body become more sensitive to the the amount of thyroid hormone that you needed to have optimal function.
1: Yeah, exactly. We hear
0: that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is is yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, it makes sense because I've hopefully you know because I because I've lost weight, hopefully I will I will continue to need less. Definitely, my dermatologist I saw a couple weeks ago too. She came in and she was like. Holly didn't really recognize me. She goes, I didn't really recognize you at first. And then she showed me some pictures from the previous year. And I was like, oh, wow, I did look a lot different. And she said my skin looked fabulous. And then she proceeded to spend the rest of the visit asking me all kinds of questions about fasting and how I lost I love the weight and so everything. Much. She was very <laughs> interested. Yeah. Yeah. And my endocrinologist, too, I told her about it. And she is very supportive of it as well. So um, it seems like my doctors are b- very supportive of it and have at least heard of it. Um, my um, gynecologist, yeah. I was talking about, you know, the hormonal issues and everything. And she said that she's heard of it, didn't hear too much about it. But as far as she knew, you know, there should be, you know, no difficulties as far as, you know, doing the fasting that, you know, while I'm in this perimenopause period. <laughs> I also had used to have really bad eczema, a lot of eczema flare ups, and those have pretty much resolved. I don't get those very often at all. So I don't know if that's related, but I hope it is, definitely. I think
0: so. You know, we hear all sorts of things like that from people who have been doing intermittent fasting for a while, and things that they had that were chronic, that just were going on all the time, just clear up, and it, it's remarkable to see. But when our bodies, when, you, when we fast like this every day, our body can work on whatever it was that was causing that, you know, inflammatory response, you know, that led to you having eczema or you know, whatever it was. And I also think, you know, you're you're not putting the artificial sweeteners in your body anymore. That's also got to have a positive effect. I'm working on a new book. I haven't shared about it yet. <gasps> I much, know. But...
1: I've heard you talk about it.
0: Still, I'm not sharing the topic, but I'm doing a lot of research about, you know, chemicals and the effects that they have on our bodies. And you know, just, just by making that little switch and not putting some of that stuff in, it really helps our bodies to do what they need to do behind the scenes, like the artificial sweeteners, just one example of that.
1: I was able to give away 19 pairs of pants. So that's awesome. another, I guess, kind of a scale, but a non-scale victory. So happy about 19 that. 19
0: pairs of pants.
1: Yep. I went from Size ten was mainly, but I was really pushing it to. I should have been wearing size twelve. I get size ten were getting pretty tight. It was like, I'm not going to go above ten. That was me.
0: I was yep. not going
1: to buy anything over a sixteen. I don't care how tight it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I went down to actually I had a, a size four the other day I ordered one of those um, those clothing boxes and I thought well, oh I'm fun gonna, I'm gonna change my size to size four and see what happens and uh, so those came back and they fit so that's so pretty fun excited about that so now I have pants anywhere from like size eight that I put my belts on <laughs> to size four so eight six and four depending on the pant I may or may not have to wear a belt so excited. And I also
0: want to tell you, don't get too, you know, settled where you are, because with me, my body continued to change for a couple years after I hit my goal. And so, you know, I gradually had to buy smaller things, you know, and now, you know, I've not, I've stopped. I'm not losing. Well, I, I did just say I had lost some more weight, but from last summer after going through menopause. But I think right now, I'm at the same size I was in 2018 before I really started going through the menopausal transition. I think I had a little tiny up and then a little tiny back down again. That being said, between hitting goal in 2015 and 2018, I continued to get smaller. So don't be surprised. You might settle down in a two at some point,
1: well, that would which be sounds crazy. incredible,
0: right? I know. It does sounds sound crazy. crazy.
1: I was just telling my friend the other day, who's who's also doing fasting now. It's been a couple of months, and she's like, "I had to go to the store and get, you know, size ten. I haven't worn that in like ten years." And I was like, "Don't buy new clothes yet. <laughs> Don't go crazy because it's going to continue to go down, definitely." Yeah, so.
0: exactly. That I started to really appreciate consignment stores, right? Because that's a great way to find clothes that are are still wonderful and you know good quality, but you know, you don't have to invest a lot of money into them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Good tip.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but don't get too comfortable and you might have to go down a little bit. So I guess, you know, that would n- not be a bad problem to have. Those size eights may be fi- finding their way to the donate pile.
1: Probably. Before too long, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: So as far as, we, you know, we know when you eat. what What would you, how would you describe your eating style? Has that changed
1: at all? Yeah, I would say it definitely has, you know, in the beginning, I, you know, just ate whatever didn't really change what I ate. But over time, I'm definitely making different choices about what I eat, for sure. Uh, My body is just kind of telling me like, okay, don't have that Starbucks, because you know how you're going to feel afterwards, definitely. So I, kind of, you know, try to go for those foods, which I feel are going to make me feel good. Right. Um, I, I did do one of those DNA tests. I know you don't recommend any specific one of one of those, but I did one of those and started to incorporate a couple of those foods that they said would um, work well for my body. For example, funny story about um, avocados. Like growing up, my mom loved avocados and she was always eating them and always wanting me to eat them. And I was just like, yeah, I just don't like that. It was a test texture thing, I think, or something just the slimy. I was like, no, I hate avocados. And this past year, I had one for the first time because it came up on my list of superfoods like that were good wow. for me. So I thought, well, I'm going to try one. And now I love them. And now I'm, addic- oh, good. I'm addicted to them. So yeah, started incorporating some of those foods, which I think has really, really helped a lot for sure. And just realizing that like, okay, I'm going to eat this Donut now, how am I going to feel like an hour later? Type thing as well. And then your taste buds just kind of, you know, kind of change over time too. Foods that used to taste good to me don't taste quite so good to me before. Or I know if I open my window with like some type of packaged snack, I used to eat a lot of those, like the package like crackers and cheese like oh the yeah processed me too. meats and things like that mm-hmm. I can't open my window with those things anymore they just don't agree with me definitely. they don't
0: even look appealing anymore I used to always have those but now that they don't funny story about taste buds changing even now that's happening to me I am um, collard greens have you ever had collard greens no well, I tried collard greens a few years ago. I think it came in like a plated back in when we had plated. I miss you, plated. <laughs> <laughs> plated was so good. And then they went. You know, they stopped with the meal delivery, but I remember there was some meal with collard greens. And I'm, you know, I've developed more of a taste for different greens, but I still did not like the collard greens. So I was like, all right, that's one I don't like. Well, last night I had a Green Chef meal, and it had collard greens in it. So I like almost threw them away. I said, yeah, I do not like collard greens. I'm just, I'm like, wait a minute, stop being such a baby. Try the collard greens. So I cooked them up. I made, it was a little vegetable side dish with collard greens. I think it had red pepper and it had like a shallot in there or something. And I put a little butter in there and it was yummy.
1: It sounds delicious.
0: It was delicious. I was like, look at me. I mean, I really, that might've been the moment of my life where I felt most like a grown up. (laughs) Because so I like, I just did it, I, and I liked it, and I didn't have to pretend, you know. <laughs> I was so glad I didn't throw away those collard greens.
1: Nice, nice. I yeah. still don't
0: know if I could do like a bowl of southern collard greens, you know. Like they have, it's a big tradition, New Year's Day, you have your collard greens, you cook them down. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Baby steps. <laughs> Baby steps is For right. Sure.
0: yeah. The way that I made yeah. them, that worked, so... <laughs> Well, hooray for loving avocado! Yeah, um, there was a funny. Someone said, "You know, what do you do with your leftover half of the avocado?" I'm like, "What's what's a half of a leftover avocado?"
1: I heard you say that the other day. Yeah, I ate the whole thing. I ate the whole thing too. <laughs> I put that everything bagel seasoning on it. It's super oh, yeah. yummy. Very very good. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So you know, is there anything that you struggle with?
1: Yeah, I mean. Right now, um, sleep is is a little bit hard for me. I don't think that's due to the fasting, though. I think it's due more to the you know the hormonal changes and things like that. But what's nice, Jen, is that you know I've been able to get so many tools and tips and tricks just based on your podcast. And you had another podcast too, your life lessons, one right. all on sleep. So I've been able to kind of take a lot of those tips and really, really work on that. And that's helped a lot. You had a, um, a guest on a long time ago. I think his name was not Navin, not Navin, not Navin. Yes, He works with like the Washington Wizards.
0: The Wizards, right? He was yeah. great.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the things that he said really resonated with me on like, um, like the four pillars of health, and how you really need to work on those things naturally before looking at, you know, supplementing other things. So that's what I've kind of been focusing on lately. And that's, you know, struggling. Um, definitely struggle lately. And I find too, like when I don't get enough sleep, that definitely makes the fast harder. I do get hungrier when I don't get enough sleep and those cravings are a little bit harder to um, to keep at bay. I can still do it. it just it requires a lot more effort for sure.
0: I really noticed a difference in my sleep as I was going through the menopausal transition because, you know, I've been doing intermittent fasting since um, you know 2014 and I had no trouble sleeping. 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and then all of a sudden, 2019, huh, all of a sudden I started struggling. That's when I started, you've probably heard it on the podcast, you know, with the wine and what's Mm -hmm. keeping me from sleeping. And, you know, ever since that menopausal transition and my hormones have changed, that that's been the hardest struggle for me is is sleeping. And it, it is such a change. But you know, had I not been doing intermittent fasting for all those years before, I would be like, "Ooh, it's the fasting." <laughs> but I really don't think it's the fasting.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I relate to that on so many levels, Jen. I feel like there's so many parallels here to to how our lives are very similar. With that, I did the same thing with the alcohol. I, you know, we were um, we went camping over the weekends, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna have a glass of wine, you know, here and there, not much, and didn't sleep well over the weekend and so last night I was like okay I have Jen's interview in the morning I'm gonna try delay alcohol no no glass of wine tonight and last night I slept like a baby so I think you're definitely on to something yeah there for sure that I need to kind of do a little bit more of of that that delaying when it comes um, to the wine for sure
0: yeah that just I'm still sad about it <laughs> You know, because when I wrote Delay Don't Deny, I really was having a glass of Prosecco with dinner every night. And I don't recall it interfering with my sleep. You know, that was 2016. And I had no trouble at all. And here we are, (laughs) five years later. Is it five? Yeah, five, doing the math, five years later. And it's not the same story at all. I would like to be pouring myself a glass of Prosecco every night. But you get to the point where you're like, "I, I don't want anything to interfere with my sleep
1: yeah yep and that's kind of where I'm at now definitely mm-hmm. definitely placing that priority above the wine for sure
0: 100 but that doesn't mean I'll never have it again right. I had uh, you know a glass of wine this this week with dinner and I've just been so worn out with a lot of things going on the book deadline the delayed on tonight social network just launched as of the time that we're recording this which is very exciting and, but it's been a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> I've been working 16 hour days and not sleeping at night because my mind is racing with all the work I have to do. So I was like, I'm just gonna have a glass of wine with dinner and <laughs> And I, I you know still didn't sleep that night because I hadn't been sleeping all week. but last night, finally, I got a good night's sleep and it felt like heaven.
1: Oh my gosh! I, you're like telling my story right, right now, right here. I've been the exact same way, you know. When the the pandemic hit, you know, a year ago, I run a uh, pediatric speech therapy clinic. I co-run it, co-own it with my husband, and virtually overnight, Jen, we had two days telehealth existed in speech pathology but it wasn't the norm maybe like five percent of clinicians you know did teletherapy and two days over over two days we had to learn how to do teletherapy and be able to transition all of our clients to telehealth it was really really tough and at that time I had started intermittent fasting and that really helped give me that mental clarity that I needed to be able to set things up, to be able to train employees and to be able to be a leader and make sure everything was taken care of for um, when the pandemic hit and we had to make that transition. And now here we are a year later and we're finally transitioning some of our clients back to clinic. And so that's been another set of of stress. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, you know, the first time I had no trouble sleeping, but this time I'm having a lot of trouble sleeping just with the stress of bringing the clients back and making sure that everything is taken care of and that we have enough PPE and that everything, you know, goes smoothly. So. We started that last week, and knock on wood, everything's going smoothly so far, so could be why maybe I'm sleeping a little bit better now. So.
0: Oh, that's good. But yeah, the stress of the details, that's what gets you. That's what, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, what about this? <laughs> and yeah, And I'm like, thinking about it, thinking about it. So I totally understand that. But yeah. Um y'all really had to pivot and you had to pivot quickly.
1: We did. With your business. We did. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was a crazy time, but it's 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 been amazing. You know, we've been blessed that all of our families have been able to tr- transition really really well. We're a very family focused clinic, so the families were used to coming into sessions anyway, so transitioning to telehealth was pretty smooth overall, definitely.
0: That's really good to hear. So it's, it also is great, even though it's been a stressful transition going back, it's great to be able to be face to face again, I bet.
1: It is. Yeah, it is. I think we're all just kind of have this Zoom fatigue right now. Oh, yeah. That it's been great to be able to see. And the kids are coming in and they're just, they're totally different kids, Jen, because we haven't seen them for a year. And they're coming in and they're just like looking around, like, I think I know this place, but you can tell they're just trying to to process everything that's going on. So it's been very, very interesting to see. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds as well with the, you know, these kiddos. My, My daughter just went back this morning. You know, today's this. What is it? March 22nd. Uh, she went back this morning to in-person learning for the first, wow, she first time in over a year. Ben,
0: Oh, my gosh. No.
1: Wow. Been, How yeah, old is she? She's in high school. She's 16. But her high school, had there's about 2,000 students. So it's taken them quite a while to get to the point where they're able to now do a little bit of the hybrid. She's going back two days a week, and now they're saying in April they'll be back to to five days a week. Wow! With the new, um, I guess the new social distancing guidelines that are coming out that's saying three feet instead of um, instead of six feet. So
0: I can't imagine trying to socially distance high school children. <laughs>
1: 2,000. <laughs> 2,000 high school
0: Crazy. Kids. no. No. Oh, bless you, teacher. All the teachers out there, bless your hearts. I have, I have not stopped thinking about the teachers and, of course, you know, the helpers like you that that work with the kids in other roles that are also you – know, the support teams like you and the occupational therapists and all those support systems are foundational and so key, you know, because, you know, we have to reach the whole child. It's not just the classroom. But I've never stopped thinking about all of you and how difficult this has been. I can't imagine. And also, you know, from the perspective of a parent, having your your children going through this, I cannot imagine what, what it's like to have to do, you know, the home learning and the, you know, our schools have been back in this entire school year here in Georgia.
1: Mm, wow.
0: Yeah. They started back in the fall and they, you know, they, they were off from you know the march through the end of that school year but they went back in the fall and they've been, not every child did they have you know options some families have chosen to learn from home and some have chosen in person and they've you know implemented a lot of the same safety protocols but yeah it's been a wild ride it's
1: been crazy and i feel like you know You know, we were able to pivot really, really quickly because we were a small practice and we were able to get approval pretty quickly from insurance to go ahead and make the transitions where I know the schools, you know, they're not able to pivot, you know, that quickly. Mm -hmm. So for a while during those first few months, a lot of our families, like we were the only support that they had. So we found that a lot of our, you know, role needed to change a little bit and to, you know, do more like reflective listening with parents and sometimes take on, you know, more of a counseling role that our parents needed at that time when all of this was just happening in in the very beginning. So our role definitely, you know, switched a little bit as well in the beginning.
0: Yep. That's that's a good point. I never thought of that either, because it, it was hard for the schools to make those changes. You know, the kids were at home and so many of them did not have technology. They couldn't access online school because so you're like, okay, what do we do? What do we do to make sure that our, especially those fragile at, at-risk learners, you know, make sure that they have the tools they need. And, and you maybe you could get them the technology, but they don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, right. They can't access it. So they're trying to do school on like their mama's phone or something because that's all they've got. So it's really been amazing to watch. And, and like I said, I've never stopped thinking about the teachers and also the parents who are having to figure this out. But thank you for all that that work that you did and are continuing to do. So shifting gears, I know you're here sharing your story with the world, but in your daily life, are you a sharer or do you keep it to yourself?
1: I do share quite a bit. My family kind of got tired of me sharing, so... <laughs> so I uh, decided to make my kind of my own little support group on Facebook so I have a Facebook group it's called Sacramento fasters um, but it's, love it but it's open to everybody I just opened it to all my Facebook friends you know whoever wanted to join just to talk about fasting or learn more about fasting whether you're local or not was you know free to join so I think we're we're up to about 60 so members now so friends are inviting friends which is nice Fun. so yeah I love telling the world, um, you know, I don't go around like, like, I'm a faster. Right. (laughs) But I will tell people when they ask me, um, especially like clients, a lot of the clients who haven't seen me in a while, they're like, Oh, what happened to you? You look, you look different type thing. So whenever anyone asks, I will definitely, you know, offer up, okay, well, this is what I do. And so Mm I've had mm -hmm. of, of co-workers that have tried it and lots of friends that are doing it now too, which has been really great.
2: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: There really is no better feeling than that, than the knowing that you're helping other people not just lose weight, but to you know extend their life, have all these different health benefits that come along with it. It just really feels wonderful to mentor others. So I I love seeing that happen. You know, it's like it's I really think intermittent fasting is a grassroots movement, you know, and you're telling your doctors about it and your doctors are interested. And so they learn more and then they may start doing it. And then, I mean, it just keeps growing and growing and growing.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it's because of people like you, Jen. Uh, I mean, well, thank you're, you, my big mouth. <laughs> you're so well, You're so inspiring. And it's like, well, thank you. you know, it's like I'm just talking to a friend and your books are, you know, they're so easy to read for anybody and they're very easy to digest. Um, you know, I read the obesity code as well, which was good, but not anywhere easy to digest, not as easy to digest as your books are for sure, definitely. And it's, they're
0: definitely clean, fast, safe. You can digest yeah. my books in the clean, fast. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It yeah. will will not
0: break your fast but just don't eat them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right on, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And
0: you know, working on the the new book and writing 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 and I've been looking back at at one of my uh, you know delayed on deny and then um, Feast Without Fear that I wrote in 2017. And so I was looking back at Feast Without Fear and I'm like, oh my God, this book is awful. <laughs> oh I <laughs> read
1: 27 I thought
0: it was great. Well, thank you, but I, w- I would like to completely redo that one or take it off the market or something. I've, I've evolved as a writer, which is funny. just reading it. I'm like, man, I was so clunky with the way that I wrote this anyway.
1: but I was like so Abigail. proud of that book. A lot of the information though I think in that book though was at, you know is on the cutting edge and I feel like we're well, just I think now so. we're just now kind of coming around to like oh okay that is true like when you talk about the the predict study and I remember there was a YouTube video that you had referenced the okay. personalized
0: nutrition video yeah. with Dr. Aaron Sagal I
1: remember watching that YouTube video and I was like oh, I need to watch that again and again and I'm like I need more of this and it was hard to you know find a lot more of that definitely. And now I feel like this year, you know, with the uh, the Zoe app and everything kind of coming out, that stuff is a lot more easier to access now for sure. So I've, yep. you know, I've thought about doing it, but after you did it and hearing your story, I know that I would be exactly like you. I don't really like tracking things. Right. Um. I tracked things back in, um, I did track back in probably like maybe the mid 2000s when I was in my early 30s and my weight tried to creep up a little bit I got a tracker probably one of the first ones ever made from like one of the health clubs and it's this big black thing on your arm I had one of those like a body
0: bug was it called a body bug
1: I had that That and I would wear it all around
0: and people are like what is I remember being at church with my sleeveless shirt and my body bug that was it
1: yep that was the body bug and you still Uh had to you still had to manually enter everything like in the computer I would manually enter it in and and my husband's like oh you're doing good with this because it's like a game you're trying to beat right you had to make sure your movement was more than your calories so I did that for a while and um um, the weight did did drop off, but it was really hard. It did mm-hmm. drop off. And then I got pregnant. Okay. And, and that was like 2009, I think. So I was like, all right, throw a little more body bug, you know, pregnant. I'll just, you know, eat whatever. And then after that, unfortunately, my daughter was born with a terminal illness. And, oh, um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. She ended up passing away after three months. And I feel like after that kind of, you know, food kind of just became a comfort at that that time. Like I remember just, you know, people, you know, coming over, bringing your meals and I was baking brownies to feel better. And so, you know, the hole in my heart will never go away for sure. Right. But I finally realized that, you know, I, food was not the answer. Food was not going to to heal that either. So I think that was a big part in it too. It took several years after that of my weight kind of slowly creeping up before I came to the realization that you know it's it's time to do something again. And uh, I tried the uh, what was it the My Fit the Fitness Pal or whatever. I did some manual tracking for a while, and I would do that for like a week or two, and the weight just didn't come off. And so I kind of just gave up at that point. Well, I'm just I not found... good at tracking. Yeah, I, I was good That's at it. That's my
0: problem. I'm not good at it. Because I'm like, I don't want to track. I don't want to count that. I don't want to weigh that. I don't want to measure that. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as far as Zoe goes, you know, for you and I are both at our goal goal weight. So we don't have that impetus to, like, you know, I'm stuck. What can I do? Uh, one of my moderators, um, she actually was on the podcast, Layla, if you remember Layla's episode. She just hit 100 pounds down, like, two days ago here in real time. But she had been stuck and plateaued for for a while and was frustrated with that and went through the Zoe app and... Is eating. She is tracking and eating according to their recommendations, and that just she lost like thirteen pounds and a, wow, amazing! Got her to her you know hundred pound goal, and she's so glad that she tried it. So for anybody who's wondering, if you go to jenstevens dot com slash zoe, it's all explained there. And you know you have to understand what you're getting into. You know if you're not willing to <laughs> do a little tracking and and see what you know, then then don't do it. It is worth it though if you're stuck. Or if you are not sure what foods work well for your body, and you really want to dig deeper, that, that's who I would recommend it for. But if you're happy and you feel good, it's just you know think of it as something of interest. There's no need to do it. But if you're stuck and you can't get past a plateau, and you really just want to know that that's when I you know they look at your gut microbiome and how your blood clears fat. And blood glucose, and then they from that come up with personalized recommendations for you. You know, so don't get your friends' Zoe recommendations and build your plan based on that. That would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: And I feel like it's a very different type of tracking than what I was oh, doing yeah. previously. I was tracking the old fashioned, you know, calories in, calories out. And after two weeks and that didn't work, it was very frustrating, you know, because you get very hungry and you're like, no, my, the app says I I should be in a deficit, but you're still not losing weight. So the, the ZOE, the PREDICT study, is um, takes it to a much, much different level. It's a different kind of tracking. And it sounds like it's Completely. very, very successful. Again, based on, like you said, based on you and your unique kind of body, your unique body, I guess, composition or gut microbiome. It was difficult
0: for me because you know, I learned that I clear fat, fat slowly. I think it's a lot easier for people who have good fat clearance because mm-hmm. for me, I always got into trouble when I the, the period of time that I did it because I would eat too much fat and it would pile up. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, like I would have a really good score on a meal, then I'd have a really good score on my snack, but if you put them all together in my short eating window, and it was too much fat for my body to clear. Right. So that was why it was hard for me. Me and my bad fat clearance. Darn it. <laughs>
1: I feel like that's something that I I don't want to know. Definitely. You don't want to know. I get it. I I was upset when I got the DNA test back and I was a slow caffeine metabolizer. I love coffee. I got to cut out my coffee. I was a slow alcohol metabolizer. Okay, I'm going to start denying wine. So it's like these things you don't want to know but are good to know. (laughs)
0: Yeah, only do it if you're willing to know, if you are if you want to find out, <laughs> but don't be mad at the result. <laughs> right, right. If you don't want to know, don't do it. But knowing that I'm a slow alcohol metabolizer really has changed my life. I mean, that, you know, understanding the science behind it, just really, like I said, it changed my life. And it, you know, I don't have to, to struggle with the question, should I be a big drinker or not? The answer is no, my body doesn't do well with that. So,
1: hmm, darn it. Right, yep. <laughs> I'm down. I hear you. I'm down the same road right now.
0: <laughs> but information is power. Like I remember someone, they got some of their results back, and they were like, "I'm so upset with my results." I'm like, "Well, you you shouldn't be. Knowledge is power. You can work with them. You don't have to follow it like it's the law. But knowing how your body operates is is a powerful thing.
1: Absolutely, for sure.
0: So we are, are coming to the end of our time today. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Well, definitely the clean fast to kind of, you know, research that and know what that is and why it's important and just start slow. I mean, I know, I know in your book you talk about like if some people, if they like to rip the bandaid off, just jump right in it. But I say just start slow just to kind of see how it goes and then you can build up gradually, um, have patience and know that it's not a quick, you know, it's not a quick loss. If, if your goal is weight loss, it's, you know, just kind of accept that it's probably not going to be quick but it's better in the long run if it's not quick because we know it's more likely to stay off when it's not quick, right? And just, you know, find your support with other people. Find like-minded people. There's so many avenues out there where you can find like-minded people. There's the Facebook groups. You have your new social platform too where you can find. I was looking at that thing the other day, Jen. There's like million different groups there was a group for like cam- I think there was a-, a group for campers I was like well I like to camp uh- I might have to go join that group <laughs>
0: I think we have 115 groups as of today wow. and you know when we were setting it up Sherry Bullock and Roxy Marino and I started working on it and we were we were you know first I did a little survey in the the group the Facebook group to see what what are y'all interested in and we just had so much fun thinking about you know, what people might like to talk about. And, and you know, you might think camping, why have a camping group? Well, it's not going to be like how to do intermittent fasting while you're camping. This is a group for people who are intermittent fasters, but also camp. Because some people have pulled the Facebook plug, they're not on Facebook at all. And so they can find us and you know share their love of the great outdoors or we have a I love dogs and cats group you know right. yeah. <laughs> cuz we're we're a lot more than like what we eat and when we eat
1: exactly i think that's a, a huge point is that you know we're all unique We all have unique talents and strengths and interests. And same thing goes for intermittent fasting. You know, we're all unique. My story is not going to be like your story. You know, you're going to slowly kind of figure out what works best for you and what works best for your body. Exactly. And I can guarantee you that this intermittent fasting will help you um, be more in tune with your body and will help you figure things out as far as what's best for your body. So just stick with it. That is so true. Absolutely.
0: You know, and form your own support system like you did, Holly. You don't have to find somebody else's support system. You can make one with your friends and your people, and you can support each other in in a small group. But, you know, you don't have to come find me for support. Find your own people.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because
0: that's how I started. I did not start. In 2015, I didn't wake up that day in August and say, I'm going to start a Facebook group so I can support a half a million people on Facebook. I woke up and said, I'm going to start a support system for me and my friends that are doing intermittent fasting. And that's how it all began.
1: Right. Yeah, that's, it's so helpful. It's so helpful to have that support. And especially when you hear people saying like, you know, oh, I fell off the wagon. It's like, no, you didn't. You're still fasting. You just had longer right. windows. And so just to have that support is super, super awesome.
0: It really is. Well, Holly, thank you so much for your flexibility and postponing. Yeah, and no problem. <laughs> and I really enjoyed talking to you, and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at dot com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader
2: new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader i have missed these friday night dinners hey, welcome to harvey Graff. at these family dinners Delicious, everyone. dysfunction is served Wah! i can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life mom and dad being totally normal wow so dinner next friday everyone What not miss for the world dinner with the parents season one stream free only on freebie